Alright, welcome back to Talking Taker. This is episode number 10 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the WWE's greatest creation of all time. Thank you for joining us yet again for another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am one of your hosts, Alex Dorio, of course joined by my tag team partner, as always, Mr. Travis White. How you doing, brother? I'm excellent. It's the perfect 10, and as you pointed out on Twitter the other week, uh, John Gonzalez is a fan of Ty Dillinger, because he uh, has his hands up. Great. John Gonzalez must be a time traveler, I guess. I think so. Yeah. I wish he'd travel way back. So, <laughs> terrible. <clears throat> but yeah, I'm good, man. I'm excited to talk about this match. Uh, it's a little different change of pace from the rest of the matches we talked about, so... Right. Yeah. Little, yeah, it's going to be different. A little bit different. Yeah, there's actually not a ton of Undertaker involvement in there. I know we, we've been skipping the Royal Rumbles because they're not really uh, focused on Undertaker... Uh, but this one, you know, even though it's limited involvement in it, still has pretty big focus of him on there. So we are, of course, up to Survivor oh, Series yeah. 1993, the All-Americans versus the Foreign Fanatics. Um, Travis, <laughs> do you... Uh... <laughs> Some of them are not, not so foreign, though. No. Not very, not very foreign. <laughs> not quite. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, do you have any, yeah. uh, you have any Thanksgiving Eve traditions? That, that great hallowed day of Thanksgiving Eve? Um, you know, I was thinking about that as I was watching this, because it's another one of those that's on Thanksgiving Eve, and uh, um, I don't think I have any Thanksgiving <laughs> Eve uh, traditions, except for getting ready for the next day. Just getting my stomach ready for the next day and watching football, and always threw football in the yard with my brother and my cousin, so eh, that was it. Getting ready. But yeah, I wish it had been Survivor Series every year. Awesome. Yeah. Sat down and done that every year, but I wish I did. I wish I did nowadays. That'd be fun. I know. It'd be a nice little change of pace from things, but I guess they're doing Raw on it's Christmas not. and New Year's this year, so I don't know how I feel about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, if it's on Monday, it is what it is. But at least tape it. Let the kid, let the guys be home with their families. But right. that's another story. That's another story for another day. Uh, like I said, we're at Survivor Series. 1993, we finally dispatched of Giant Gonzalez, and he's been dispatched from the company as well. He's been wished well in his future endeavors, so Undertaker has moved on uh, <laughs> and, and is moving on into a feud with the current reigning WWF champion, Yokozuna. Uh, this is the slow build and the slow burn from that. Uh, but before we got there, bridging the gap, uh, I think it's interesting to look at who he was facing in the in-between times. So, any guesses on uh, in-between SummerSlam and Survivor Series, who Undertaker was facing on some of the house shows and live events? Um, Damien Demento? <laughs> no, not Damien Demento. Uh, but apparently um. he was... He spent a lot of time in some casket matches on the road against Adam Bomb. Ooh, Adam Bomb. Wow. That would be Brian Clark. Brian Adams is in this match. Crush, yeah. yeah. My bad. He's the Undertaker, so 
Yeah. Oh, we're going to get to them later, too, as a tag team with Chronic. That's right. 2001. I was just about to say that. That's right. Oh, man. <laughs> An infamous match. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very infamous. So, yeah, no idea. So. Mm-hmm. Casket matches. I guess they moved on from coffins, huh? Yeah, I guess they're already already moving on. Caskets. (laughs) You know, you can't uh, can't ship Paul Bear's hammer around to every town. I guess I don't know his uh, custom hammer. Don't want to lose that. Yeah. (laughs) Don't want to lose that at all. Well, yeah, we're here on uh, Thanksgiving Eve again. It's uh, November twenty fourth, ninety three. In Beantown, the Boston Garden. I like to go to the Boston Garden. It's like a lot of cool stuff happens there. Yeah, I love the I love the look of it on there. I really, you know, it, the oh, yeah. the super shows that they do now are, are cool and all, but I really like the smaller, intimate venues too. I think it gives it a cool, old school look to the show for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all Americans versus the foreign fanatics. I guess at this point, we know Undertaker's from Death Valley, but we never. I guess I just assumed he was American, but here we are is certain in our minds that he is an All-American, which is just strange to see him uh, be on that team, but gimmick it up like the rest. So we'll get, on that, get, get to that in a minute. Yeah, I guess the precursor to the, uh, I mean, he, he'd become a little more patriotic as the years would go on, so uh, look glimpse into the future, <laughs> yeah. sort of. But uh, yeah, this was... Is, the build for this match is really weird because it was an, originally announced as Lex Luger, team captain, with the Steiner brothers and Tatanka against Yokozuna, team captain, with the Quebecers and uh, and Ludwig Borga. Uh, but I, I guess just as to, to try to get... Add a little spontaneity or, or, or something, a little twist to it. Both teams lose a member on, on the way to the match. Um, I believe the... I think Tatanka got legit hurt, I'm pretty sure. I remember reading that. I'm pretty okay. sure he got legit hurt. Um, so that may be why he dropped out. I don't know why... Um, who's Carl Ouellette? Yeah, Pierre. Quebec right? Pierre, yeah. Kayfabe, sure brother. Hurt. Oh, yeah. But um, I'm pretty sure that Tatanka got legit hurt. Um and then that's what happened. But so then, yeah, but yeah, it was it was very strange. They just kind of substituted Undertaker in there. Undertaker gets brought in to to take that spot. And a and and what I think most people really remember about this match, or uh, they at least remember, there's a pretty famous image from the promo where Undertaker gets introduced as the the mystery partner for this team, where he cuts a promo talking about his his patriotism or whatever, and he. Uh, he opens up his jacket, and inside the jacket there is the uh, old glory, like the Betsy Ross flag. With the I don't know why he chose that flag to put inside his jacket with like the circle yeah. of the thirteen <laughs> stars in there. But uh, really, I mean, pretty iconic looking, pretty neat looking. Uh, reminded me of when Bono did that at the uh, Super Bowl halftime show after nine eleven. He's got the flag inside his jacket too probably got the idea from the undertaker probably oh, huge maybe closet wrestling fan he might be he might be listening he might be he's he's awesome so, yeah. <laughs> bono if you're out there <laughs> well he's also not from america but yeah cool. oh good point good point 
<laughs> and then or the maybe uh, he is. He, we don't know. Anyway, uh, the foreign fanatics end up adding the uh, from the evil foreign nation of Hawaii uh, crush to their team. <laughs> exactly, crush. <laughs> I was laughing because I was like, "Wait a minute, crush is not foreign, and they announced him from Hawaii." That's in America. Do they not understand? I just, it was just so bad. But um, this is when they're trying to put Crush over. And we'll talk about it yeah. in a minute. But this is when Crush is going to go on to some singles action against uh, Randy Savage later on. Here, yep. So. Fresh yeah. off his heel uh, turn. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. But they start out with a backstage promo just before the match. And uh, this is great. Um, yes. I loved it. Me too. Jim Cornette pretty much leads the promo, but it, this is just the foreign fanatics, which again, um, Jim Cornette's not foreign. He's from America. Kentucky. Um, Raven is in, is, is in there. Well, I'm sorry. It's, uh, Johnny Polo. Johnny Polo. He's there. Yep. Um, and that's just hilarious. He's also not foreign, but it's, it's you got, who else? You got Raven, or Johnny Polo, excuse me, uh, Jim Cornette. Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji, yeah, also another, so there's three managers for the foreign fanatics. Um, you know, Cornette, Louis Borga, Jacques Rougeau, who they just call Jacques, right? They don't yeah. call him Rougeau. He's just Quebec or Jacques. Just call Jacques, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Quebec or Jacques. They're all standing there, and um, it's hard for me to not call him Raven, but Johnny Polo is just cheesing at the camera. It's so good. He's <laughs> just smiling and nodding and uh, everything, but, but Cornette does a, a really good promo, which... He's always good at, um, and he eats he, Todd Pettengill live. I love, I always hated Todd Pettengill, his no. stupid earring. Shut up, Pettengill! What a tool. Cornette, Cornette, yeah, what a massive tool. But Cornette just owns him here and tells him basically to shut up, and he doesn't know how the words he just used and all this stuff, so <laughs> it's great. But um, he, I, I just wrote down here that um, Yoko Ozuna, Ludwig Borga, and Fuji just stare at the camera. Mm-hmm. They just stare. Um, they don't respond at all but jock jock bounces and grins like a, a moron in the background he's bouncing up and down smiling you know uh polo again he's making faces and reacting to everything cornet says um but and but cornet there's a really good promo talking about this the heart of the uh all americans is are the steiners the mind is the undertaker and he's the master of ecology and the psych out but the soul is Lex Luger. Again, this is Lex Luger's big push. Right. He's, uh, he uh, lost his match at SummerSlam against Yokozuna. It wasn't going to be awarded a, a, a rematch, right? But um, yeah. we're still on the Lex Express here, trying to push him as the next Hulk Hogan. Uh, um, it was a good promo. It was a really good promo. I really liked it. Um, I mean, Cornette, he can't go wrong Cornette, so he's good. No, he was on fire here, and... Uh, just going back and watching some of this 93 stuff and some of the 93 Raws where he comes in and, uh, you know, his addition to to the Yokozuna entourage along with Mr. Fuji just puts Yokozuna over the top for me. I have a huge, huge soft spot for Yokozuna because he was the first real uh, major heel villain when I really, really was getting full-blown yeah. into wrestling uh, and I think I still think he's super underrated for what he did and uh, watching these Jim Cornette promos and that one especially I I didn't really appreciate when I was younger how great of a promo he was but I mean, he was killing it here he's on yeah. fire and 
you know, nobody scripted that for him but himself. Uh, yeah, but and he knew exactly what to say to to get you into that match. Uh, so it, it was fantastic, absolutely. Oh yeah, it was really good. And you get Yokozuna, as I mentioned in our first podcast. You know, I was kind of in it wrestling this time, you know, just, you know, seeing stuff, but I remember that because I always remember him, even when I was little, he just looked imposing, and he reminded me of Honda from Street Fighter, um, or Street Fighter 2, maybe it was, and that's what I always loved, he, just, he was like E. Honda, and um, I love Street Fighter, yeah, I always remember Yokozuna being, you know, intimidated by him, and thinking he was a menacing heel, and uh, before I really knew what that word meant, and we were playing the wrestling arcade games, um, even though I wasn't like a huge fan at this point, and kind of being a, an, an outside fan, I've always always picked him uh, as my as my player. I was. Yeah. So I always had a respect for Yokozuna, but now looking at it, he doesn't even look Japanese to me. It's like no. he's obviously Samoan. Not at all. <laughs> like it's my my thirty one year old eyes look at it. I'm like, <laughs> why do I think he's Japanese as a child? <laughs> uh, because that's what WWF told us, <laughs> and that's what we believed. Yeah, they want. I drank the Kool-Aid. Drank the Kool-Aid. Well, getting to the match, uh, well, the the entrances at least, um, you know, we we uh, got to mention that this is Bobby Heenan's, Bobby the Brain's final WWF pay-per-view appearance, and his final appearance on Raw would come just a couple weeks after this. But we've talked about him in almost every single episode except for the first one because uh, yeah. he's not on that one, but. You know, he's just been a huge part of the show and of our fandom. Uh, he has been a huge part, as we talked about, uh, of the Undertaker character, of building that aura, uh, that persona about him, uh, creating that mystique about him. So uh, we, we paid tribute to him uh, and, uh, a couple episodes ago. As unfortunately, he, he did pass away, but... Uh, I'm sure we're going to throw a lot of quotes in as we go through this match and try to pull some and pull the audio in there one last time to, to celebrate the brain. But goodness gracious, he is on fire. He, I don't know if he knew he was leaving at this point and was yeah. just had a, had a bunch of jokes. He needed to get out there uh, as many as possible. But this, I mean, I was cracking up watching this, man. And I, and I couldn't, oh, yeah. write, couldn't write him down fast enough. No, I was laughing out loud, and like Nina said, I didn't realize, he may not realize at the time, but he definitely went out with a bang here, this is his last showing, you know? Yeah. He's got so many good, so much good stuff, I'm sure we'll miss half of them, but you know, but hopefully between you and I, we got them all written down, but uh, <laughs> it's so funny. They talked but, about, uh, uh, apparently yeah, Yokozuna was on Conan O'Brien's show the night before, and yeah. he says, Conan O'Brien, you sure that's not Bob Backlund? Wow, Mr. please. Uh, which just goes to show you how old old Conan O'Brien has been on TV too yeah that would have had to have been like his first year on TV I need to look that up on YouTube see if I can find a clip of that yeah (laughs) great Bob Back I thought that was hilarious but um uh, for Undertaker's entrance you know the lights go out and the crowd again I feel like beating the dead horse um, they pop huge, and uh, Vince says that he dives under the table when the lights go out. <laughs> and all back. The Boston Guard lights go out. Bobby Heenan, what are you doing? Get up from there. Get up. Bobby Heenan just got up underneath the counter. Are you wearing swimsuits? Would you get up from there? Get back up. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. He's like, where'd you go? <laughs> He's on the stage. 
and he asked him what brand his shoes are or something. <laughs> funny. So he's, he's scared of the dark. It's great, man. And then he has a little comment. He says, how do you think he likes his, how, how do you think he drinks his cup? I don't know. Heenan? Black and cold. No, it's just like, that's just so stupid. It's such a dad joke, but it's coming from Heenan, it's so funny, man. Yeah, it's, apparently it's like, Undertaker's like a hipster, man. He likes iced coffee back in 1993. Yeah. <laughs> just super trendy. I had no idea. Yeah. Black yeah, iced coffee. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, but he does, Undertaker does bring the lights up again, so again, we'll see that theme continue. Yeah. You know, and, and it just sells it. It's really cool to hear them, you know, buy into it and uh, put him over because that's one of the things we keep commenting each episode is that they really do put him over. And as we talk about this match, you know, this really, we're going to kind of detour here in this episode because there's not too much Undertaker to talk about. But what we do have to talk about with him is um, setting up for something big coming his way. So anyway, but commentary yeah. still puts him over all over the place. So. It's kind of a fun diversion here for us uh, since we're just talking yeah. about Undertaker. We love talking about Undertaker, but uh, just kind of gives us uh, a few other, few other extra topics and characters to bring in here and just talk about uh, 1993 WWE a little bit and some of the major players in there. Uh, so hopefully you'll, you don't mind us going along with it, uh, talking about that. But the, before the match does get underway, before we start talking about those other people, uh, we do get a little tease of Undertaker Yokozuna, a little stare down before the match starts. Yeah. And uh, the crowd, definitely into it. They're excited uh, to see those two guys face off. So def- they're definitely into oh, yeah. that tease. It was like, you know, if we go into current day, it's kind of like when Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar faced off the first time. You know, yeah. the crowd just ate it up and loved it. So it was really neat to see that. Um, but everybody else has matching tights on the Americans, the Steiners yes, and do. Lex Luger. Which, again, it's weird to see them in this because 1993 WWE is so strange because they got a lot of NWA or WCW players there. You know, you got the Steiners, you got Lex Luger, you got Jim Cornette. You know, um, it's just yeah. it's, it's, it's a different uh, it's different than the, the last few, you know, pay-per-views we've been talking about. So, And I've always had a special place in my heart for the Steiner brothers. And watching them here again, I was like a little kid watching them. Oh, man, they're so, so good. Lex Luger, he is what he is, but... um. He, he's Vince Man says he's an American original. American so, original, man. Yeah, but he comes game. on to a good pop. Yeah, so. he, did, he did okay. Yeah. Dude, I I literally wrote down I friggin' love the Steiners in 1993. Yeah. <laughs> man, they just uh, they just murder people. <laughs> they yeah, have no so concern good. for anyone else's bodies or, or anything like that, and they're just throwing people around. And I mean, they were over too. Like the crowd, oh yeah, freaking loved them. Uh, yeah, they really did. Awesome, awesome. They're so strong and and so just ridiculous. Um, but the matches. Uh, I want to. Oh, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say the one thing I do want to say again. I talk sometimes it's little things that WWE does that are so good with the production is because the camera is is panning around um, the crowd and as it it comes right back to the ring, that's when you see them face off. You mm. go in. So it's just really cool. You don't see the build of that. You just kind of the camera comes, it zooms right back in. And I don't know whose call that was. It was Kevin Dunn back then or whatever. But it was just a really cool production thing. And you see them just all of a sudden they pop up in your screen or face to face. And you just get a little bit of taste of what's to come. You know, it's, it was really, really neat. I just want to put over the production team for that. I yeah. thought it was really cool to see. That production added to it. I mean, and in the ring, too, it starts off real slow, real methodical. They have big, long <laughs> yeah. stare down between all the guys. But it was great, you know. Uh, 
Steve Austin always talks on his podcast about how uh, if you feel like you're going too slow, then then slow down. Like you, you always, you, you want to drag it out and uh, let the heat build, and, and you really feel that at the beginning of this match. They're taking their time. Uh, they're letting the the anticipation build. They're getting the crowd into it. So uh, I appreciated that. Uh, th- th- thought they did a good job yeah. of it. Yeah, and this match goes 28 minutes by the time it's over. So mm-hmm. you know, they have plenty of time to work. I guess Survivor Series match should be long like that. But yeah, it's funny. I, even the commentary calls it out. They're like, there's a lot of standing around here. <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah. of stalling. So I thought it was kind of funny. But um, start out, you know, we'll do a little play-by-play here. You got Scott Steiner and Jacques start out. So and then do a little bit of, you know, throwing around. And then there's like a pretty quick. It was um, funny to have the champ come in so early in the match. Um, but, you know, it was. And then Rick Steiner come and we was in. It was awesome to hear them all do the little dog chant stuff, and he's running around. Yeah. You know, they didn't change their style up at all from oh, no. WCW to WWF. They were the same guys. The, the fans followed them over here. It was really cool. They're super over. So, I love it. And then we get uh, old Ludwig Borga coming in. And, oh, uh, my word. Why are we supposed to hate Finland? Like, what, what, Are we supposed to... Did we ever go to war with Finland? Like, why are they our mortal enemies? Now, I never, even as a kid, I, I was like, like is that a country that we're really <laughs> supposed to care about? I never understood it. Well, the only thing I can think of, the only thing I can think of is that he ends Tatanka's uh, undefeated up until, I think, a week or two before this when Ludwig Borger actually beats him. I remember listening on Bruce Pritchard's podcast, Conrad uh, asked him, you know, <laughs> Okay, he beat him. Then where'd you go from there? Right. Uh, Bruce was like, yeah, they didn't really do anything with it. Right. Um, but uh, they were going to. You tell they had big plans for Ludwig Borga. Oh, definitely. They, they put him over. They put him over hard, man. And as we get through the match, I mean, he's, he, uh, yeah, well, he's, he, he stays in for a while. Wait, and so, he gets a um, super weird and sloppy elimination of Rick pretty quick into the match. Oh, well, what yeah, the heck yeah. happened there? Yeah, Rick jumps off the top and almost does what we, you know. Ludwig Borg was supposed to catch him like a power slam and do a roll through, kind of like John Cena does nowadays and does yeah. the AA. But um, he 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 botched their man and just uh, botches the catch and the power slam and then he just throws him on the ground and three count comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Which I remember us talking in the, in Undertaker's first our series match like this, um, how the pinfalls came out of nowhere and it, it really made it seem legitimate. Well, this was not one of those. <laughs> this was a botch <laughs> and it, seemed, it was just crappy. Yeah, it was really bad. And did so, did Rick get hurt? Not one of where look, I, it looked like it to me, man. He looks legitimate. I wrote that down too. That he looks legit hurt. His tag teams uh, seemed legitimately concerned for his well being. And the announcers were too. It was uh, it was oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, and then Bobby uh, starts saying that Scott's not gonna know what to do without Rick. See, this is gonna hurt them. I'll tell you why it's gonna hurt them. The Steiners used to being together all the time. They were sleeping in the same bed. It's like a crib. They have jammies and stuff. But anyway, they're used to being together. Oh, it's so good. So good. See, I missed that one. I mean, I didn't even write that one down. There's yeah. so many good things there. Oh, man. He, he was rolling. Scott's in versus Jacques again. And I think it's cool. He, he press slams uh, Jacques into Crush, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then Crush comes in. He tags in. And I, I just wrote here, why is he foreign? He's from Hawaii, which we've already talked about that. Um, <laughs> and then my next my next note I wrote is, I love the Steiner Brothers, which we already mentioned, too. Yes. <laughs> I love him. They're just great. Just, and he does a double under power bomb 
which is always one of my the butterfly suplex, whatever you want to call it, butterfly powerbomb, double underhook powerbomb. I love that move. That's and a great Scott move. Scott does it. No one really does it anymore. Good. He does it. No, he does it to crush. If anyone does it nowadays, it's a cruiserweight doing mm-hmm. it to each other, you know. But you don't see big things do it, you know. I feel like some Samoa Joe should use that move now. Yeah, you know? some big guys. But um, I always love when Scott Snyder did it. Whether he had his long-haired mullet or he was big pop pump and his you know chainmail, I don't care. He was. I love that move. Yeah, he does it to a big guy too, Crush. So. What do you feel? How do you feel about Crush? Cool. What are your memories of Crush? Um. Not really a fan, honestly. I re- never really was. Um, I never really was a demolition fan, honestly. He was the third member, right? He was added later on. Yeah. Um, I never really liked demolition because I was always a Rogue Warriors guy, and I just thought they were a cheap knockoff. Again, even though I'm five and I knew who they were, um, <laughs> again, I wasn't a huge follower at the time. But I just like these guys look like the guys that wear the spiky shoulder pads, but they're not as cool. <laughs> and then the fresh guy added, this kind of watered it down to me, and um. Here he's from Hawaii and it's not foreign, so I don't know. I just didn't get it. Man, for some reason I always no, had a soft spot for Crush. Uh, I liked him when he was the Kona Crush and had the neon orange yeah. and and yellow outfits. Uh, I really, I don't know. I was like, I got seven years old. I, I really liked his uh, his yeah. look and his gimmick, his personality, and then. Uh, I thought he had a great look here as the heel crush with the face paint oh, yeah, and the goatee. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not a, no, not a super great in-ring performer, which I guess is why he never really uh, broke out uh, of the mid-card too much. But for some reason, man, I always enjoyed him. And I think him and Undertaker could have had a could have had an interesting feud, too. They never really crossed paths oh, yeah. too much, aside from we'll get to that chronic match one day down the road. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, they could have done. Oh, I, I could have seen Undertaker and Crush uh, meshing well together and doing something well together. So, I don't know. Um, he does. He dumps uh, Scott Steiner out of the ring like a sack of potatoes. Man, dumps him over the oh, top yeah. rope. And... Press slams him out there. Yeah. This is the point in the match. Randy Savage is coming out to the ring. Yep. Um, for the first time. Um, and I just wrote here that Vince and Heenan are really putting over Crush, especially after yeah. that power slam to the outside. You know, his strength is Scott Steiner is not a small human, so he does press slam to the outside, which in nine day three, that's a huge bump for yes. a big guy like Scott Steiner. Yes, that was big. And uh, yeah, Savage comes hurt. out. He's held back by all these officials and Bart Gunn, like one wrestler. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. This is so random. And I think the next time he comes out, Billy. Gunn. Yeah, Billy Guns out, out there the next time. Or Rocky, whoever he is. Yeah. But at this point, just Bart Gunn. Yeah, the officials and Bart Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, man. But I, I made a note here that Undertaker still has his hair in his face on the apron. He's standing on the apron, so he hasn't even whipped his hair back or anything. He's still... I just try to notice these little things. Man. Yeah. You know, he still got his hair in his face, and uh, which, I, again, a testament to him for standing here. Exactly. And, you know, playing it dead. Outside, he's not getting hyped up. He's not slapping the turnbuckle. He's not pacing back and forth. He's not, you know, fist pumping in the air, getting the party started or anything. He's just standing there, very stoically, as he should be. Right. Um. Then finally, Lex Luger comes in. He hadn't been in the whole match. He finally gets in there, and uh, Crush has been eliminated. He gets counted out, and then Luger finally gets in there, and he pins. Jacques with a second rope elbow drop. 
of all things in the world. Oh, yeah. Just... Well, yeah, it's it's terrible. Because I wrote, I wrote too, like, it's, it's, um, who's it, Scott Steiner and Jock at this point? Uh, uh, I think it was Lex. Oh, wait, 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 yeah, but before, before, before Luger comes out, okay, so hold on. Crush okay. gets counted out, I and mean, then it's Scott Steiner and Jock. Okay. He gives a pile driver to Scott Steiner. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, I think it's Heenan says. Oh, pile driver! Yeah, but that won't work. A cover! It won't work. Referee out of position, and... Almost worked. Why wouldn't it work? He dropped them out of his head. There's nothing in there. Bobby Heenan. <laughs> There's nothing in his head to... Uh, it's not, not going to matter, because... And it does, and he gets a two count. Yep. Um, I think. And, and, let, and at this point, you know, Luger and Tanger still haven't been in, and Luger finally comes in. And yeah, you're right. He finishes off Jock with the the Bret Hart elbow from the second yeah. rope. So, it's is he is it his sonic elbow at this point? Is, uh, I guess yeah. Maybe uh, got him with the uh, metal forearm. Maybe grazed him with that. Maybe that yeah. explains it. <laughs> yeah, but again, it was kind of anticlimactic too. But I mean, I don't think think Jock need to hang around too much more. Right. So obviously, yeah. So we got. Yeah. <laughs> Borga comes in and, and goes up against Scott Steiner, and Scott Steiner hits him with a superplex off the top, oh, which yeah. is excellent. Yeah. And the crowd loves it. It's the anticipation, the way he does He waits for it, you know, um, gets the crowd, you know, to, to, to get ready. This is really cool. And 93 is a big spot, too. Yeah. And it was really, really cool. And uh, <laughs> before this, Vincent Mann updates us that uh, Randy Savage has finally been holding. Um, and the uh, says, how's he keep getting in? What is he, Batman? <laughs> I just thought that was great. <laughs> I didn't even catch that one. Like you <laughs> Again, said, I'm yeah. A, I'm a huge Batman, Mark. Anybody that knows me knows that. So anytime I hear Batman and wrestling together, it's great. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that superplex was huge, man. And uh, Yoko gets in at this point, but the commentary even notices. I said, I don't think there's a tag made. And I, I, yep. didn't, I went back and didn't see one either. No, he <laughs> so, just came in there. Good on them for pointing that out, though. But, um, uh, he, he does a leg drop on Steiner, right? And then yeah, he puts gets him the out. Pin, dominates him. Um, you know, everybody talks about like the legendary Ric Flair run, uh, his one year in WWE or WWF um, from like uh, late '91 into early '93, and just how awesome it was for that one year. I mean, the Steiner brothers were really just there for almost the same amount of time, like late '92 yeah. into early '94. And I think yeah. their run is just incredible. I wish we got more of them in, in, in WWF back then, like because like he's they're killing it in this match. They killed it. Uh, they're on a, a lot of those 1993 Raws, uh, oh, all the yeah. pay per views in '93. So I mean, good. They're just awesome. But yeah, uh, they really were. But at yeah, this point now we get down to the nitty gritty, and Bobby Heenan and Vincent Mann say it at the same time. And the count. You can tell there's kind of like they want to laugh because yep. they both said it. But he didn't <laughs> like go, keeps like, copying him. Yeah, yeah, he just keeps copying them. So it was pretty funny. That was great. You can tell it caught Vince off guard. Um, <laughs> he didn't know. It was really funny though. That was super funny to me. So, and um, Lex Luger and Yokozuna in the ring at this point, and um, <laughs> Heenan says it's like a Volkswagen. Actually, it's Volkswagen uh, wrestling a Greyhound bus. <laughs> so, I thought that was good too. Volkswagen. 
Volkswagen <laughs> wrestling the Greyhound bus. Man, so, uh, I felt like in just like the first couple minutes, Yokozuna was in there. He already showed more than Giant Gonzalez or Kamala. Like he's oh, yeah, just on yeah, a yeah. different level. I mean, you might in your head, especially if you weren't around watching back then, or if you've just seen clips or pictures of Yokozuna, you might think, "Oh, he's just another big guy. He's just another like." generic guy like those guys who just chops and kicks and doesn't take bumps but dang man he was he was flying and he was bumping and he was jumping and he does a he does a freaking standing frog splash on on luger oh, yeah. did you notice that <laughs> it's not yeah, just a regular top, flash dude. he does like the the pump frog splash yeah, thing he does. like he is he's a he really was a great performer uh an awesome big man uh wrestler oh yeah all those Samoan guys that are big can all work, man. That's one of the cool things about him. I mean, him and Rikishi could work. I mean, mm-hmm. later on in his career, he got really big. But even before that, he could work. The head shrinkers could work. Yeah. Uh, um- Umaga's one of my favorite of the Samoan guys. I, remember, <laughs> I love I love Umaga. You know, Brosky yep. and Jamal, you know. Um, all those big Samoan guys can work. Samoan Joe's not related to them, but he can work, too. He can but, work, too. Yeah. Yeah, but Yoko, you know, you're right, man. A lot of these big guys, like he's, like the Undertaker's feuded with, um, they can't work. Um, but yeah, he can, which is it's going to be interesting to see as we get around to the next yeah. interview, just how that goes. Um, fingers crossed, it'll be better. Yeah, those of you who don't so. know, for those of you who don't know how it goes. So. <laughs> uh, but back to the match. Though, at this point, the Hellraiser from Helsinki is in Ludwig Borga. Yeah, that's a that's a t-shirt right there. Hellraiser with like his face and just a bunch of pinheads coming out of it. You know, like pinheads and Hellraiser. I like it. That would have been great. Have like the... rest in peace Tatanka on the bottom because like he, what is, I don't know. Put that on the Talking Taker top... store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Louis Borger Pro Wrestling Tees shop. So that <laughs> would <laughs> be the one t-shirt on there. Uh, but yeah, I saw, again, they're putting him over huge though. The Hellraiser from Helsinki. Um, and this is where I made a comment, you know, in the Bobby Heenan episode, or the episode we talked about Bobby Heenan, I mean, about him making the basketball quote about Undertaker. Well, this is the match it was from. You know, the Undertaker's going to start a new basketball team. Do you know that? As for a guy six feet and under. Six feet and under, I see. Where do you come up with this material, Bobby Heenan? I popped for it. It was good. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, Borga is in there, then Yoko and Lex battle for a little bit, and then Taker gets the hot tag after, I don't know, 20 minutes or so oh, of man. not being in the match at all. Finally yeah. comes in, and he's just house of fire, dude. He's killing oh, it. Oh, yeah. Talk about hot tag. This crowd erupts, man. I got to find a new cinnamon. I keep using the same words, but this crowd absolutely erupts for him coming in, man. They love it, and it's and I, I just wrote here. It's it's perfect storytelling, making the crowd wait for him. Yes, to get it. you have that face off at the beginning. Yeah, the crowd him and Yoko. They know this man knows where he's going with the story. They had the Royal Rumble, um, and just making the crowd wait and eat it yes. up. So when he fights in the match, the crowd just blows up, and, that, and that's one of the reasons I think you and I both love wrestling is the in-ring quality and the storytelling, and this is just picture perfect storytelling right here absolutely i loved it i love it he hits that uh, is this the first time he hits that jumping running ddt thing that was my next note yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it it is it's the first time we've seen it on pay-per-view here um and that's one of my favorite 
Phillips that it is ever. I love it. It might have been the first time he hit it because Bobby the Brain goes nuts when he sees it. Like, he's never seen that before. Yeah. He explodes. <laughs> he thinks that's the coolest thing. Phillips are coming off to Ralph He no-sells, Borga, he gets hit with a belly-to-belly and sits back up from it. I mean, the crowd is, is loving it. They're popping for everything he does. Um, gets hit. Oh, yeah. Gets hit with a bonsai drop. Um, and Yokozuna sits on him for like three seconds, but the ref doesn't count it or anything. <laughs> and then he stands up again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hit, uh, almost hits another one, but Taker sits up. Uh, then it's a lot of. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I want to say something before that, though. Um, uh, another Heenan, another Heenan quote. Um, when he gets a close line, up, he gets leg dropped, and Heenan says, If he gets up from this, I'm a weasel. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was great. So, <laughs> and then again, they're putting in over superhuman super strength really hard, you yeah. know, on commentary. Like you just mentioned, Bonds I dropped. Again, he probably should have been counted out with the ref. But, uh, uh, but and then once he does get up, the commentary really notes the fear in Yokozuna's eyes for the first time. They've seen fear in his eyes. Bobby so, says, that's the first time I've seen his eyes that big around about Yokozuna, which <laughs> ooh, little <laughs> probably shouldn't say that anymore. Uh, but, oh, whoops. Yep. I, I missed that one, man. That, that's great. Yeah. I don't know if it's great, but uh, it, it was something. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's great, but it's, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Can't say that anymore, for sure. No, not anymore. Uh, yeah. Then they, they head to the outside. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you have to dive and close on them. Yeah, they head to the outside. Go ahead. Take them here. Well, they start flinging. He, Yokozuna hits Undertaker into the stairs, and he totally no-sells it, and then just picks Yokozuna up and throws him yep. into the stairs, which is a great spot. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And they get... And then they get counted out super quick. Uh, Taker and Yokozuna, referee yeah. is on top of the ball and counts them out immediately. Uh, both those guys, uh, clearly, they're trying to protect both of them because they know what's coming mm-hmm. up next uh, at, a, at the Royal Rumble. Um, they're going to be building to a one-on-one championship match with those guys, so you don't want to beat either one of them. Uh, it's a you know cheap finish for this match, but... Uh, there's something bigger uh, at play, so it's understandable. Um, leaving something up to the imagination, and uh, it, it protects both of them, so I get it. Yeah, they leave that little cliffhanger. We know that the chapter's not complete here. You know, the next chapter in Undertaker's story is not complete yet. It's got to be continued, you know? And I wish I was timed how long it was that he was actually in the match because. It's probably only what three, four minutes at the most. Yeah, I mean, can't so, be more than that. 
he's not in there long, just gives the crowd a little appetizer, whets their appetite for, you know, what's going on. And, um, I mean, shoot, I already know what's, where this is headed. I wanted to see it, you know? Exactly. Um, Me too. Four years later, I, I'm like, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to get to the next match, man. So, um, it's awesome. Yeah. They have even, even, you know, this far on in the future. So I love it. So, but yeah, he and Paul Bear leave up the aisle and it's just down to all uh, the old Hellraiser from Helsinki and, uh, the, uh, American. Lex Luger. So American original. They're yeah, really and, trying to get Borgo over here. Um, and you know, the crowd is so into Undertaker and Yoko and it's just the total opposite of Borga and Luger. The crowd really dies when Taker and Yoko are out of there. Um, and like I, I wrote you can you can almost hear Vince on commentary kind of giving up on Lex Luger. Like at, at, mm-hmm. in real time, as you're watching the crowd yep. die, and you're watching the the intensity in the ring die when it's just him and Borga out there, and Vince's enthusiasm is kind of dying out too. Like you can almost kind of tell him kind of giving up on Lex Luger right then and there. Yeah, <laughs> which is uh, much what happens. Yeah, so. pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah, and. Um, Cornette and Johnny Polo distract the ref, and the big Borga hits Lex Luger with a bucket from Mr. Fuji. Yeah, the salt bucket. Coke bucket or whatever. You know, that's commitment from the Fuji one. and Polo and Cornette to stay out there because their guys were already gone, but they stayed out there and supported <laughs> yeah, they, their teammate. So, you know, hey, kudos to those guys. Hey, look at that. Yeah. That's, yeah, true. I didn't even, I didn't even about that. Nice analysis. <laughs> even, uh, I wrote here, again, looks like he's never been noted for his in-ring ability, but he hit the absolute worst leapfrog that I have ever seen. <laughs> and you and I have watched thousands oh, yeah. of hours of wrestling matches. And bad breath. Plenty of them. This is, hands down, the worst leapfrog. He runs at Borger, who's bent over, and says, over him, he just kind of goes to the side and raises his right leg up and bounces around him. It's so <laughs> bad. Oh, it's, it's so not bad. pretty. No. Oh. And then he hits him with his elbow, uh, forearm, whatever it is, and one, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah. And then we get snowflakes. Snowflakes and Santa Claus to, to end the show. Uh, Lex Luger celebrates. <laughs> They must have been running long because, uh, I mean, it's like only a minute or two after the match is over and the pay-per-view oh, yeah. goes off. So. Lex Luger, Santa Claus, it can't get any better than this in the <laughs> yeah. World Wrestling Federation. What a maneuver. Uh, uh, can it not, Vince? Uh, um, but anyway, but I did, you know, the match is what it is. Um, it's not an in-ring classic, but the, under, the story of Undertaker here is cool, man. He's it's the best part of the match, him and Yokozuna. Easily. Um, it will, and the Steiners are awesome, too. Yeah, but, um, Steiners are great. Yeah, it, it's the, yeah, the seeds are planted here for Yoko and Taker, which is where we're headed. And, again, didn't give away too much. Just kind of wet the appetite. And, again, I just wrote great storytelling. You know, I love good storytelling. Even if the match sucks, I love good storytelling. It really was. I mean, I think it's so an underrated... Yeah. Underrated match, underrated Survivor Series match. It's fun to watch. The only really dull spot is the last couple minutes with Luger and Borga. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, you know, it, it did build to something. It's telling that story, too. It's giving Luger a much-needed win, trying to rehab him after uh, SummerSlam. But turns out yeah. he was really 
there was nothing you could do to rehab after that failure to defeat Yokozuna then and or winning only by count out and that match just one of the big epic fails uh, of all time um I, I wrote down I, I felt like it drew a parallel a little bit to uh current day like to me it felt like Luger and Borga kind of you got Luger and Borga and then Taker and Yokozuna and I feel mm-hmm. like Comparing it to now, it's like Jinder Mahal and Nakamura and then Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. Like, you've got one feud that's supposed to be the yeah. main feud, Nakamura and, and and Jinder Mahal, and it's it's the WWE Championship, and it's supposed to be the main feud, but, like, no one cares. And they're trying to force it, yeah. trying to make it happen, and what the crowd really wants is this other thing, but they're... It, it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be the main thing, and that's Taker and Yoko, and then Kevin and and Shane. So it's just I don't know. You, you try to force some things, and then some things come natural, and, and some things never change. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Some things will continue to get shoved down your throat, but um, it is what it is. But yeah, you're right. I, I like your uh, quote about you know Vince giving up on last year because I think you're right, man. I think he just all. Whoops, should have gotten with Undertaker. Like, this is the man, you know, that's where we're headed. So, um, again, and I'll be honest, looking at the match and seeing that it was 28 minutes, I was like, man, this is going to be a snooze fest. But um, I was into it the whole time. Yeah. Until the last couple minutes, you know, but I, it was fun. It was, it was fun. definitely more fun to watch than their previous four matches were. So Maybe that's why it seemed a lot more fun than it, maybe it was. That's I true. don't know. Maybe we just have watched so many bad things over the past few weeks and this was just worlds better. I don't know. But uh, before we leave, I, I, you know, just mentioning that, I, I thought it'd be fun. Uh, this is our 10th episode, and uh, uh, we've covered so far the first three years of The Undertaker in WWF uh, and his career there. Um, we appreciate everyone listening for joining along with us. Uh, you can go back and listen to all those episodes and catch up with us. And we're getting close to uh, coming in on 500 fans here, uh, 500 followers on Twitter. So, we appreciate all you guys and all the love and support, but just wanted to look back for a second and ask you, Travis, uh, number one, like how have you, uh, we, we've seen, uh, well, I'll ask you this first. How have you, how do you feel like the Undertaker character and performer has grown? Uh, what are the changes you've seen over the past three years as he's come in at Survivor Series 1990? Uh, as a surprise debut, and then now he's at Survivor Series 1993. He's come in as the surprise uh, main event relief uh, position. And, and where, what's the biggest change you and growth you've seen in in the Undertaker in that time? Um, I think just is uh, the fact that, well, I think when he came in, you know, he was a big prospect, and he kind of goes immediately the, and win the title. But um, as the last two years have gone after that, it's apparent to me that he doesn't need a championship. He is an attraction in and of himself. Um, and he'll last that way until the end of his career. Um, but I think that's one of the things. You could tell at first they were like, we got to get a title up high, and he's a big deal. And but I think Vince even realized he, he doesn't need it. He's a it's an attraction in and of itself. Um, his interviewing work is, you know, he's added little, you know, things we've seen him add. The old school, we've seen him add the DDT, uh, the running DDT, but um, something that 
hasn't changed his commitment to his character. He's yes. uh, been committed since day one. Yes. That's awesome. I love it. I love little stuff like like his hair still in his face on the April. You know, even three years down in his career, still not that. Um, you know, we've seen his entrances grow. We've seen his Paul Bear. You know, Paul Bear's imagine now. It's the first time I saw him with Brother Love. So, um, added little things, but um, the thing that he's met, that's remained constant is his commitment to the character, and that's what I love. That's what I think you and I both love about the Undertaker. So, right. Yeah, I like what you said there because he's he's uh yeah he's still super committed, but he's. I mean, he's growing. Like we've seen all these little. It's almost yeah. in every match we see some new uh, nuance, a new move, a new uh, little part of the gimmick. Whether it's the pose or the uh, uh, the lights going out, something eyes with the entrance, eyes rolling in the back of his head, sitting up, all that sort of stuff. He's adding new things in there. He's not staying stagnant, even though he's he's super over. You know, he can he can just do the same thing every night. But I think the reason why he lasted for 27 years uh, and stayed on top for that long, uh, almost immediately uh, moving yeah. to on top and staying there permanently, was that he was constantly evolving, constantly adding things, constantly yep. trying to grow as a performer and an entering worker. And I just think it's cool that, like I said, he's gone from being that surprise debut the rookie, you know, three years ago to another Survivor Series three years later, he's coming in uh, to be the star power, to be the main event guy uh, in there. Yeah. And, and he really is the main attraction in WWE uh, at this time. And as we head into 94, he's not ever going to hold the WWE, WWF championship. I know, I just go back and forth with WWE, WWF, but... He's never going to hold the championship during that year, but he is the main guy for 1994. Even though he he goes into his first hibernation in 1994 uh, during the summertime, but he's on three pay per views and he is the main event on all three of those pay per views. So you know, it just goes to show you his star power and his uh, his drawing power, I believe. Yeah. And he doesn't need that title. He needs traction in and of Exactly, himself, so. yeah. Really cool. So, out of the first ten matches, uh, what do you think is his best match and worst match uh, out of the ones that we've seen? Not his his first ten pay-per-view matches. Yeah. First ten, okay, yeah. Um, you know what? I'm looking back at my notes here. I think probably my favorite match so far um, it's probably been the one with Jake Snake. I really many eight, I think. Because I'm looking back... Um, he had finally turned faith. It was kind of it was organic the way it happened. Um, but he, and I remember just noting when we talked about it that he didn't change anything about himself, the way he carried himself, or anything he did. He was still the same guy, but he was a faith now. The crowd was loving it. And again, he's in there with Jake the Snake, one of the greatest in-ring workers of all time, one of the best. Never hold the title, the main title. Um, I think that might be, and it's a short match. He kills him, but I think that uh, that's probably my favorite one. You know, match so far. Uh, my least favorite is any, either one of the Giant Gonzalez matches. Probably the WrestleMania one, because it's it's the one almost limish on the streak. You know, it's the DQ with the chloroform, uh, kind of lame. But uh, that's probably my least favorite match so far. Yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, I was going to say the same thing for favorite. Just it, it's, but we really haven't seen the Undertaker 
as at not anywhere near his peak as a in-ring performer as a worker as they say um and we won't see that for a while really but you know they have him and jake the snake we talked about it on that episode it's five minutes they do like four or five moves in the entire match but they tell a, a heck of a story and um that it, it's it's a really fun match to go back and watch um, even if it's not a, a technical masterpiece, it's uh, it's entertaining and, and it does what wrestling's supposed to do. It tells a story in there, so I'd say that's a favorite. Uh, and this one, this one was really fun to watch too. The Survivor Series match, but yeah, least favorite, yeah, I, I, I'll say the SummerSlam Giant Gonzalez match, just because um, I like the atmosphere of WrestleMania Nine. Uh, I feel like. <laughs> If anything, Giant Gonzalez is slightly more motivated and into it back then. Like I said on the last episode, I felt like he could not have cared less in that SummerSlam match. Plus, they <laughs> built up that stipulation for the rest in peace match, which was such a letdown. And uh, ah, that match was just frustrating and, and stupid to me. So I'll say that's the, the worst <laughs> of the bunch so far. And there'll be more good matches and there'll be a lot worse matches as we continue on this journey, but that'll be for another time. Uh, we want to, again, yeah, (laughs) spoiler. Uh, we want to thank you for listening. Like we said, uh, we appreciate all the feedback and all the support, all the comments. Uh, we'd love to know your favorite undertaker match of the first batch of these episodes and your least favorite and what you're looking forward to in the next few episodes. Uh, we're, we'll get to all of them eventually, one one match a week through The Undertaker's career uh, here on Talking Taker. You can follow along and subscribe to the journey. Follow us at Talking Taker. Uh, you follow me at Alex Dorio. And uh, you, Travis, still not on Twitter, but I'll, I'll pass him the feedback. And I know he checks checks the website quite a bit, so he gets all your feedback yeah, too. All the time. All the time. So, uh you can subscribe to us on iTunes and on Google Play and on YouTube. Just type in Talking Taker on all of those. Uh, we'd love for you to follow along. Give us all the feedback that you want for, for this episode and all the episodes. And um, If you were there in Beantown, of course, let us know. Of course. Please let us know. <laughs> We're still waiting to hear from somebody who's there. That would be cool to hear about. <laughs> One day we'll get... To that question. Well, one day we'll get to share us being there uh, for a couple of these uh-huh. matches. Yes. Handful of them. Sure. Uh, there will. So that'll be fun. And yeah, we're yeah. going to hit 94, hit, uh, hit the Yokozuna run, hit the Undertaker under Faker match. And maybe mm-hmm. I, I've got an idea for a bonus episode here. So maybe when we hit. Uh, milestone follower mark uh we'll venture out of the pay-per-view matches for just a quick bonus episode but uh we'll let you know uh when we get there maybe when we hit 500 finally or or maybe a thousand or something like that we'll uh, we'll toss a bonus episode from around this time period in there but uh until then you got anything else brother until then take her easy there you go can you believe this max luger Santa Claus, it can't get any better than this in the World Wrestling Federation.